Welcome to Tech in the Right Direction, the podcast. Let's take tech in the right direction to drive social change and close the employment, pay, and culture gap for women in technology. This podcast is focused on helping turn ideas into action to create opportunities for women to advance in the dynamic technology industry. I hope this podcast will inspire and motivate you to encourage more women and girls to seek or grow a career as a woman in technology. Stories about the journey of amazing women in this tech field starts right now. This week, I will be speaking with Kate Roberts. Kate Roberts' late father was a ship captain. By the time Kate was 12, she had seen more of the world, its beauty, vastness, and social inequities than most people would see in two lifetimes. These early life imprints, coupled with several harrowing experiences she endured while working in Eastern Europe, fueled in her fierce determination to make a difference in lives of women around the globe. Kate sees obstacles as opportunities and thrives on challenges. She often describes herself as a serial social entrepreneur, seizing opportunity, launching initiatives, and then moving on to what's next. She is a woman driven by passion and purpose. Historically, Kate's energies have been focused on global initiatives. Recently, her vision has brought her focus closer to home. Early in 2020, Roberts launched Lakigai Company, a private consulting practice dedicated to advising families, individuals, and organizations on strategies to design and execute customized, purpose-driven fundraising. Inspired by the importance of empowering women at the most fundamental level, Kate recently created Poussant, a social enterprise startup that is building a global movement for female sexual wellness. Robert speaks five languages at the core of her being. However, it is her desire to raise her daughter, Lily, in an environment where passion and purpose are the norm, and young girls are encouraged to develop into tomorrow's leaders and be free to embrace all of the life opportunities. Welcome to the show, Kate. I'm so excited to have you. It's a pleasure to be here, Jennifer. Thank you for having me. Thanks. So let's get started. Um, So tell me a little bit about all your travel experiences as a child, because I know you traveled a lot. Yes. Oh, my goodness. I was very, very lucky to have uh, extremely adventurous parents. Um, and I got to travel the world with them as a child. My father was uh, a sea captain uh, of a super tanker. So I grew up sailing around the world with him and my family. And um, that's really where it all began for me, witnessing poverty at a very young age. Um, And so I think that's really where it all started for me, where I was experiencing different cultures, and issues affecting people, um, really starting at the age of four. By the time I was 12, in fact, I think I spent my 12th birthday in a pyramid in Egypt. Um, I'd really uh, seen the world. 
That's amazing. I know you you did say um, something about, you know, you've traveled more than most people travel twice in their lifetime, you know, their lifetime twice. So that's amazing. So if you could share with us um, some of your career journey and how you got to where you are today. Yes, I'm happy to. I actually started my career in PR and marketing. I worked for a very large advertising agency, and my career um, really started with cooking up marketing campaigns for fast-moving consumer goods, um, bubble gum, soda pop, sadly, alcohol, cigarettes, Mm -hmm. um, fashion, and really everything you could possibly imagine, um, pharmaceuticals. And that took me also all over the world. And I, again, started to sort of study behavior and and consumers and people and figure out how to sell them all these different products. And that's how my career started. And then that led into uh, being approached by uh, this incredible man who asked if I would do some pro bono work for HIV AIDS in Eastern Europe. So I was working for an agency and was, was, you know, became quite high profile uh, in the advertising and media world. And he thought it was a good idea to approach me to help him how to sell life rather than pollute the world with bad products. Wow. um, That's really where it all started for me. And of course, marketing is the center of everything. If you, if you understand marketing, you can, pretty much do any job and mm-hmm. at that point of of you know working around the world for about six years in this field both marketing and also publishing um i i realized after doing this pro bono work for a health company called psi um i really wanted to dedicate the rest of my career to solving problems uh diseases and giving life rather than taking away from it that's amazing, amazing, amazing. So maybe the marketing area um, got you more into becoming a serial social entrepreneur. Tell us more about that. Yes, well, once I had, I actually, what happened to me, the pivotal moment, let's say, was I took a trip to South Africa, um, really on on a vacation, and I saw immediately on touchdown, and this was in 97, 98, um, I, I saw the destruction of HIV AIDS and, and also poverty um, as an adult. And I had been doing pro bono work for PSI in Eastern Europe um, for the last year. We, we actually had managed to um, increase condom use by 300% during the campaign that we were working on. And, and the campaign was no different than any social campaign that I would have developed for a, a for-profit brand. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was, it was encouraging young people to use condoms. And event, eventually we were really able to prevent HIV from truly coming into a country by, by this popular campaign that we put together using the same elements um, as, as a brand would use, um, you know, clever marketing, uh, clever media, uh, you, tapping into pop culture, 
And that really gave me the idea of, of uh, taking this on a wider level globally um, around the issue of HIV. Um, married with my trip to South Africa, um, where I got emotionally involved um, rather than just creatively involved. I saw firsthand on the ground the destruction of what such a pandemic can do. Of course, we're now seeing the destruction of the coronavirus and what it, mm-hmm. what it can do to the world, uh, our own lives, um, the economy. Uh, you know, it, it, everyone is experiencing this. But to me at the time, I, I saw it on the ground. And, and the work that I was doing in my job um, became very serious for me because it became emotional. Mm-hmm. And so at that point, I decided that I wanted to dedicate my life to doing something really meaningful, but but by using my marketing skills um, and putting those to better use to really think through in a private sector way how to take control of a pandemic um, in, in the way that I could. And in the way that my skills were lending itself was really thinking about the infrastructure, brands, media, celebrity, and and how to apply that to a global pandemic at the time. HIV was very much in the media. It was a, dare I say, a sexy issue to get behind. Mm -hmm. Um, So I took advantage of the timing of that. And um, that's when my life as a serial entrepreneur started, where I saw an opportunity. I saw an opportunity to engage the world in an issue that you know was was on every corner and very much in the media and and now my life as a social entrepreneur uh obviously i'm currently working um on the coronavirus and Mm -hmm. and finding ways to uh attract um um, solutions uh thought leaders resources funding uh technology um to to help us to to overcome it. Um, but really what I mean as a, as a serial entrepreneur or social entrepreneur is finding opportunity, finding gaps, and then figuring out a solution and then a, a team of people to, to help uh, put those solutions in place. That's awesome. So tell us a little more about your business currently. So what are you doing that, you know, as a social entrepreneur, um, mm-hmm. How did you translate all of your experiences into building a business? Um, well, let's just backtrack a second. Um, mm-hmm. it, it, the last 20 years, I've been working with an organization called PSI. And PSI is a, a global health organization, actually one of the largest health organizations in the world that nobody's ever heard of. <laughs> um, and, and the reason that they haven't heard is, is PSI is in the trenches. They're doing the work to... 9,000-person organization um, that works across 50 countries, uh, making it easy for people to get uh, healthcare solutions. Um, and over that, that 20 years, I've been the sort of residential social entrepreneur cooking up strategies and campaigns to address issues. Started off with HIV, I created youth aids, uh, and youth aids then came up with various solutions uh, and funding and partnerships to to um, to to work on the issue and and to come up with various solutions. Um, that then led to really focusing on the woman 
and let's just call the woman Sarah because Sarah uh, deserves deserves uh, a name. Uh, a woman deserves a name, especially a woman living in poverty. And I started to see a real gap in women's health and um, health and wellness, especially around her sexual reproductive health um, and how it just it was underfunded, it was underprioritized, and only 2% of government funding was going towards women's health around the world. And so at that point, I created Maverick Collective um, together with uh, the help of Melinda Gates. Uh, she became our co-chair. We developed Maverick Collective, which was a, a phil- which is a philanthropic platform that uh, works with other bold women who believe in investing in women as a solution um, to end extreme poverty, uh, but specifically investing in women's health and all the issues that we grapple with every day around our health, which is is horribly underfunded. Um, And we were very quickly able to build a group of extraordinary women um, who fund, helped to fund promising solutions around the world in family planning, in HIV, in technology, um, and various other interventions, cervical cancer, that, um, that needed the focus in order for us to be able to test out these solutions and then take them to scale across the world. So um, we did that. Um, together with the Crown Princess of Norway, who's our other co-founder, mm-hmm. and PSI, who's the implementing partner. Through um, that experience, I recognized a huge gap um, in technology, actually, because um, I know that you are very focused on mm-hmm. technology solutions. Um, so it might be worth talking about that. But ultimately, it's about making it easy for Sarah to have access to health products and services. And through my work with PSI and through my work with Maverick Collective, um, which was all focused on the developing world, we were able to um, implement some really interesting um, solutions together with our our Maverick Collective members that really worked. Um, But I did see still an opportunity around women's health, also with the issue of stigma. So my my new company is going to be focused on a femtech company that um, really talks about female sexual wellness, mm-hmm. um, which from head to toe. I mean, people talk about sexual wellness and they immediately think about pleasure. Well, it's not mm-hmm. just about pleasure; it's everything. It's mm-hmm. it's contraception, it's nutrition, it's fitness, it's you know, the applications of, you know, user-friendly technology that can help us to navigate through our needs of of finding the right products and services that work for us. So I'm in the throes of of this startup. Uh, It's called Poussant, uh, which means female power in French. And um, it incorporates all the knowledge that I have gathered, all the thought leaders and all the remarkable people that I've worked with over the last 20 years to really provide the service for women all over the world around their healthcare. So that's what I'm up to right now. That is one of my latest um, interventions. Um, So there you have it. 
That's great. You are one busy person. So I just have a curious question. When you talk about women's health issues, do you focus on physical? I know you focus on physical, but do you also focus on the mental side where you can help them, you know, um, mentally to uh, grasp the concepts and to change behaviors and those types of things? Yes, um, absolutely. Mental health is a big, big problem Mm -hmm. around the world, especially for women and especially right now. Mm -hmm. Um, One in four people, um, and a large portion of those people are women, obviously, suffer from mental health, one Mm -hmm. in four. Uh, That's the same rate as eating disorders. It's in in the developing world, the same rate for HIV uh, infections. Um, It's up there on the numbers. However, it is one of the most underfunded medical categories, and it is a medical issue um, because of also the stigma that is attached to it. We don't like to talk about mental health issues. People are embarrassed. Mm -hmm. Um, And, of course, a lot of the time, uh, America's solution is pills and let's just medicate those people. And often it's not the solution. And we're actually, through Maverick Collective, um, obviously I'm one of the founders, we have uh, an effort right now to really focus on mental health. Because it is hard to fund, our strategy is to bundle it with other healthcare services. So if Mm -hmm. a woman goes into a clinic, she can talk about her mental health and get the right referrals that she needs to get to the services uh, and the products that she needs. Um, Often she wants somebody to talk to about her mental health, but that is a service rather than a, um, you know, a pill or, mm-hmm. or a potion that's going to make her feel better. But right now, with the isolation that everyone is feeling, um, you know, in places like India, there is a stay-at-home rule. Um, gender-based violence is happening. Uh, you know, people can't, people don't have any space. They can't move around. Uh, they can't get away from that abuse. I mean, it is a huge, huge issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, technology is really helping. There are certain, um, you know, apps and services that are out there that we're also looking into that can link services to really help people to get the help that they need. That's great. Oh my God, what great work! And I love that you're bundling the health with the mental piece so that they can get coverage because it is so underserved and it's so needed. Um, so you you do so much in philanthropy. I see all the good work you're doing, uh, and you continue to be so passionate about it. Tell me a little bit about this passion, where it came from. Was it from your childhood? Was it you know where where did you really start feeling this is really I want to help people. I want to make a difference. Tell us a little bit about that aha moment. Yeah, it really started when I first came to PSI and uh, I invented Youth AIDS, and it was all about raising much-needed funding to innovate around HIV. And, you know, when you get a disease as sophisticated as HIV AIDS, you really need to constantly innovate. And so I was I was always raising money. And... Um, and and sort of begging for money. And I realized that, you know, the solution was not to have a fancy gala that you spend, you know, $200,000 on and then, um, 
you know, maybe you raise half a million, but you've you've spent half of that on on the hard costs of putting on a fancy party that actually nobody really wants to go to. So I I really started to think about um, changing the way that we go about philanthropy and how people can have a better resource and a better way of applying themselves to their philanthropic giving. And one thing I saw over the years is, is people just don't want to write a check. And, you know, some, some people do. Some people want to just write a check and feel good about what they're doing and see that it has impact. But mm-hmm. where Melinda, you know, I'm studying Melinda and I've been such a fan of her, Melinda Gates, for so many years. And, of course, she's helped us to create Maverick Collective. What she did was create this incredible foundation. And, of course, you know, nobody can be exactly like Melinda who gives billions of dollars a year away. But what she decided to do was put her whole self into her philanthropy. And that really resonated with me that she, you know, she put her time in, she put her treasure in with her foundation, but she also put her talent to work. And that got me thinking about doing this on a on a smaller level where, you know, the average person could do this and really have an impact. So that's when Maverick Collective was born, where we really focused on this notion of using your intellect, using your time, using your talent and, and your treasure in the right way on solutions in a collective way. And um, what we also wanted to do was really look at leverage. Um, so many people are isolated in their giving. One of the big barriers, not knowing what to give to. Mm-hmm. And also, uh, you know, putting money to the next shiny thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it happens in Silicon Valley all the time where, um, you know, people, entrepreneurs, founders will try to dream up technology um, that can work all over the world. And, of course, you know, we've, we've had Facebook and WhatsApp and all these incredible um, um, tools, uh, technology tools that are spreading messages and changing behavior around the world. However, um, what's going to work in, in philanthropy is, is also taking some of these tools and looking at how they can translate in the developing world and not trying to reinvent the wheel constantly. Um, and that's where philanthropy can really be useful because we can really try things out using these tested mechanisms that can then um, be developed with the data that we're getting from Sarah uh, in the developing world. So, mm-hmm. so this is really how Maverick Collective came about, where we are matchmaking philanthropists um, to potential solutions that we can then implement on the ground and then take to scale um, across the world. For instance, let me t- just tell you a story about this incredible young lady that I met a number of years ago, her name's um, English Sal, and she uh, was new philanthropist at the time who was very interested in Maverick Collective, and she, um, a self-confessed geek, um, mm-hmm. loves data, and she came to us and said, listen, I love data, I know how important data is, I want to fund data, mm-hmm. and it's it, absolutely impossible to find donors and philanthropists that want to fund data. <laughs> but she said, okay, I'm obsessed with the community healthcare worker. I'm obsessed with data. What can I do? And in that way, we were able to really have funding to set up 
a multi-data system within a health system in actually in Zimbabwe um, that was able to not no longer work in silos and to really help develop this sort of community healthcare worker program in a country like a, you know a challenging country like Zimbabwe where we can link up the health clinics with the community healthcare worker and then eventually to Sarah so that we could really design based on hard data a program that was going to work with all those linkages. Now that's not a new shiny thing. That's taking what's existing on the ground, studying behavior, getting the data, and then um, and then designing a program that can really work for somebody living at the bottom of the social economic pyramid. So English Sal became a Maverick Collective member and was really additive with her whole self using her knowledge, and she's such a smart cookie, uh, to really help us to think through this whole thing. And that, to me, is what a philanthropist is today, a real maverick philanthropist who can really help us to think through all of this. Um, where technology is concerned, you know, technology has to be a major, major pillar now in solving problems around the world. Um, in 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 you know, in in ending extreme poverty, and and technology is going to take a leading role in that. Where you know, another example is we're forming a a partnership with Babylon, um, which is a female app out of the UK. Um, where we, you know, we really rather than using you know WhatsApp and Facebook Messenger and other social media platforms, you know, it's going to take a maverick funder to come along and really help us to think through that as we can take, you know, an effective technology platform like Babylon and then translate that for our user experience uh, at the bottom of the pyramid. And somebody sitting in Silicon Valley doesn't know what Sarah is up to on a daily basis. So mm -hmm. that to me is philanthropy, is, is really being able to listen and learn and co-create and using your talent to help existing groups like PSI and Maverick Collective um what their magic that so, is i guess i guess that was a very long-winded uh answer to your question of where did this passion come from this passion came from me really being a tired activist going to the world economic forum going to davos hearing the same conversations over and over again from also from men in gray suits um, on the panels, mansplaining everything, and me saying, well, where is the woman? Where is the woman philanthropist? Where are the technologists in this conversation? And how do we bring them together in a collective uh, for collective action on the ground? And so that's really where it came from. I love, love, love the stories and the passion that comes along with it. I think you are so spot on about, yes, there is philanthropy. That means that you write a check, but then there's all the doers and implementing and having the passion like you gave something back feels amazing as well. So you, you need both, which is so important. That's so great. Um, so you speak five languages. Wow. What languages do you speak? Oh gosh, they're all whining. Um, but um, yeah, I be, because again, I've lived in gosh seven or eight countries now, and mm -hmm. what I try to do when I go there is both study the behavior of people um, because that's very important for my work, uh, but I also 
studied language when I'm there. And I've been very, very lucky and fortunate to have traveled a lot with PSI. I actually did go and live in Myanmar for a couple of months, formerly known as Burma. I didn't quite learn the language, but I was lucky to to do the job on the ground, which really helped me to understand what 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 has to happen uh, with health workers and, and and people who are in the trenches. But the languages I speak are a little Russian, a little Romanian, um, a little French. Uh, I speak fluent Dutch, uh, English, obviously, kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and you know, from that basis, a little Spanish. From that basis, I can I can sort of cobble it together when I travel. But um, it just has to be practiced in order to be fluent. But I I'm very very lucky to have had the opportunity to travel as a child, but not through my adult and career. And it's something that I really really value. But I also think it's something that's transformative for people if they can travel. Um, both with their philanthropy, but also with their, with you know, looking at, at, at different technologies and what needs to happen. It's such an education, and it really does change your life um, when you are able to travel and experience. And it's something I'll be doing with my daughter now moving forward. I think it's a gift. That's awesome. Um, I miss traveling so much. The just learning the cultures, learning. Uh, about them in that country just makes me feel like I've learned something every day, you know, so, and I'm a big proponent of continuous learning. So, so that's really important. So you talk about your daughter. Um, We both share a passion of developing girls into future leaders. Um, I work with a lot of different organizations that we take girls into technology type atmospheres to get them awareness and get them interested and get them excited about technology. Um, tell me a little bit more about your work in, in this area and also about your daughter. Yes. Well, I have a nine-year-old daughter and actually I was pregnant with her. Um, when I was very pregnant. In fact, I, I I gave birth to her the day after I sat with Bill Gates to talk wow. about the concept of Maverick Collective. I like to say he helped me birth my, my daughter. But mm-hmm. I I was a huge fan of the Girl Effect, which um, was a campaign that was developed by Nike. Uh, if it, it, it's a video that you should absolutely watch. Just Google the Girl Effect video. You can watch it. And I became a sort of ambassador for the girl effect and took it to the world economic forum because if you invest in a girl and a woman you can apt it doesn't matter where you invest or what you invest in but if you invest in a girl you will strengthen the family you will mm-hmm. strengthen the community you will strengthen the nation and you will therefore strengthen the global economy. Mm-hmm. And it's just a proven fact that if we invest in girls and women, um, we can end extreme poverty. You know, just like getting a woman access to contraception, to plan her family, uh, looking at sanitation issues. You know, in India, for instance, I'm working on this project called After the Flush. Um, you know, India's done a really, really good job. Uh, the government of India has done a really good job of building toilets and cleaning up India. Mm-hmm. However, 75% of those toilets are not connected to a sewerage mm-hmm. um, facility. So girls, 
it stops girls from going to school, because, especially at the time of their of their menstruation, because mm-hmm. there's no you know there's no sanitation um, facilities. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a ripple effect, and we have to look at all aspects of a girl's life from birth, um, with nutrition, with with you know education, with financial inclusion, you know the whole cycle of a girl, because. If we can strengthen that and invest in it, we will have a different world. And so when I was pregnant with my daughter and and I sat with Bill uh, and we talked about this, his wise words were focus on the next generation, invest in the the next generation of of girls and women. And Mm -hmm. he was absolutely right. We went on to form Maverick Collective. Um, That has now informed me of what I should be doing with my my for-profit, which will also give back. Um, mm-hmm. to invest in other girls and women leaders around the world. Um, I know that one of your focuses is is getting um, girls on board, getting mm-hmm. girls in leadership positions, mm-hmm. and that is, of course, so important. Um, and I hope that people do that because it's an absolute return on investment, not just because it's the right thing to do or it's trendy or it's time up or it's, um, you know, all, all that's going on in the world right now um, with with equality now. Um, but it's a great investment. And my company, it will be girl-led, girl-driven, girl-founded, mm-hmm. um, and it will invest in, in the leadership. And that is what's important. I want my daughter to grow up in a world that is completely equal and it should mm-hmm. be. And the fact that we're still even having this conversation is absolutely ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Very sad that we're still having this conversation. We need to make that change. I always say that, you know, investing in girls is building our pipeline for the future and that's what we need to do. And so right, right there with Bill Gates is that we need to make them aware of what's out there, their opportunities, give them confidence very early on so that they can grow up to be future leaders. And there is a return on investment having women in the business world because studies show that, you know, it improves the bottom line considerably. I mean, so yes, it's the right thing to do and we want equality, but there's also a business benefit for people to consider that. So, so important, all the right things that you you hit on. Yeah, well, I also believe that, you know, aid, for instance, is is ending. Um, you know, a lot of these big aid agencies like USAID and the British government, DFID, um, are having serious cuts. And if we want to continue to invest in women, especially in the developing world, we need to start thinking about this as a business. We need to start thinking about aid as a social enterprise. And um, what I mean by social enterprise is, you know, when we're looking at health and we're looking at education and we're looking at, um, uh, you know, job, uh, jobs um, and aid, this social enterprise approach to me makes so much sense. And, you know, if you, if you just look again at PSI, which consumed my life for the last 20 years, um, you look at operations at PSI, you know, there's girls in the factories packing the products. Um, there's, there's female peer educators out there on the ground. There's female medical providers who are starting their own clinics and, and franchises. And, mm-hmm. you know, the world is really run by women. Mm-hmm. And if, you know, we, 
as you know, you know, we're multitaskers. We, we bring our families up. We invest in our families. We invest in our children. We buy the books. We control the fam- we, we have the purse, purse strings. Um, we, we, we manage, we manage everything and we, you know, we're constantly, uh, juggling. Mm-hmm. And I also think it's very important for companies, for-profit companies and banks and, you know, organizations to really recognize that soon women will be running the world. And <laughs> what I mean by that is, you know, in, in four or five years, trillions of dollars will uh, travel down into the hands of women, um, you know, young successes right now, which is what Bill Gates was talking about when we created Maverick Collective and Maverick Next, which is Maverick Next is the philanthropic arm of Maverick Collective that's focused on the next generation of philanthropists. Mm-hmm. And, you know, trillions of dollars will go into the hands of young successes who will be women. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when, when banks are really thinking about their strategy of how to keep their wealthy clients, they should really take this into account and, and develop services, financial services for women. Um, and not many banks are doing that. And it, it, it's narrow-sighted in my mind where, you know, you think about, I, I talk about one of my Maverick collectors, one of our Maverick collective members, and I remember talking to to her and she's married to a very very successful man who's well known and um she she told me that she goes to cocktail parties with him and people just talk to him because Mm. they think that he has the purse strings and actually they do it together and if a conversation like that happens then it's not going any further because Mm -hmm. she's insulted and so you know i i i want that that should stop and we have to change behavior and it's um, I think very op- opportunistic if these companies start thinking in that way and start recognizing that the, the power and the, and the money and the funding will be in the hands of women very soon. I completely agree. And there, there are some statistics out there that talk about the amount, you know, trillions of dollars going to be in the hands of women uh, because they're going to be making purchase decisions in corporate America. So I think they're, they're getting, um, they're getting the message, so hopefully it's going to change in the financial area as well, um, because it is so important. Um, I just put together, which I just completed, 70 women, uh, put them through a Azure certification program, um, gave them all a scholarship from uh, start to finish, and um, getting them certified, getting more women into technology because I'm so passionate about this and I can do a little bit at a time. But um, I'm really happy to help your causes in any way that you can see training or uh, technology training benefit, um, you know, the audiences that you're serving. So I'm very, very passionate about helping in any way I can. I just wanted to say that. Well, I really appreciate that. Um, right now, we are absolutely all consumed with um, COVID-19. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. what's happening right now, it's particularly affecting women, as I mentioned before, with gender-based violence, with mm-hmm. you know, COVID and the coronavirus is not stopping women from getting pregnant, being beaten, um, mm-hmm. having access to much-needed health products and services. So we're looking at uh, how we can deliver to women right now through technology, mm-hmm. um, both behavior change messages, 
um, but also post-COVID, we have a whole rebuild to do um, targeted to women. And technology is going to be absolutely key. So we're really looking for talent, uh, resources. Um, so if, 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 you know, it's people that create change, not just money. Mm-hmm. So if you can think of any talent who really wants to help on a global scale um, with this technology um, and the resources that we need, then I would love to hear from anyone out there who's yes. um, showing some interest. Great. And that's that's what the next thing I wanted to put out. So what's the best way of someone to um, get in touch with your organization so that they can, you know, if they want to, to both um, – work towards uh, donating versus also donating time, uh, talent, those types of things? What's the best way for them to get a hold of you? Um, I would say there's two ways. Um, Go to Mm -hmm. maverickcollective.org and PSI, so it's populationservicesinternational.org, PSI.org or maverickcollective.org. And there's people there on the website that can – can can talk to anybody who is interested in the, in those programs. That's great. Um, and of course, you can Google me, Kate Roberts. I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, you can go through to my LinkedIn and get in touch with me if you are interested in femtech. Great, that's amazing. So, in closing, Kate, what advice would you give women and young girls looking to grow their careers in technology and other fields? What you know, you've had a wealth of experience with so many different areas, what advice would you give them? I think the best advice I can give is around finding your passion. Because if you are passionate about something, you can do anything. And, you know, the world is so cluttered. Um, But you know, technology is making everything possible. But the first thing to do is really find your passion and to get really focused and then to find your tribe, uh, find your peeps. Um, that's how I have ruled my life. Um, I haven't necessarily attached myself to one organization or one company. Um, I focus on my passion. My passion is girls and women. Um, and then I focused on who do I bring into my tribe? Who do I collaborate with? Who has the knowledge? And then I searched for people who are cleverer than I am, which there's a lot of people out there, um, to, to partner with. And the second thing is, you know, there's two things. There's on the for-profit side and then there's on the non-profit side. Um, with my non-profit career, I did find an organization, PSI, that I believed in because they were taking a private sector approach to solving problems, and I really loved that. Um, So rather than recreate the wheel, I knew I wanted to be a founder. I knew I wanted to be a serial entrepreneur. I found a great organization that could be my backbone, and then I went out and created, and, and, you know, I was, you know, ongoing vision as to an opportunity as the gaps that I saw along the way. But Focus on your passion, focus, listen, learn, and then implement and find the people to do it with. That is great advice. Great advice. Amazing advice. 
Kate, I love your passion, love your energy, and I'm honored to have you on my show. Thank you so much. Uh, it was great talking to you, Jennifer. Best of luck with everything you're doing. Thank you for listening, and please take a minute to subscribe to this podcast so that you never miss an episode. See you next week. As your organization continues to embrace and adopt new technologies, does your team have the skills required to make the most of your investments? Directions Training offers IT professional and end-user training for the most popular solutions today, including Microsoft 365, Azure, AWS, Cisco, Citrix, VMware, and much more. Our flexible delivery methods and full customized offerings make sure that you get the training you need just the way you need it, in-person, virtual, on-demand, or through a blended approach. Success is a journey. Ask for directions. Visit us at www.directionstraining.com for more information today. Thanks for listening to Technology in the Right Direction, your source for the latest technology trends shaping the world. To find out how to be a guest on the show, visit directionstraining.com forward slash podcast. Until next time, we hope that technology takes your business in the right direction.